freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 317 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, your nationwide hometown auction where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. And our theme today is A Christian's Duty to Defend. And our guest is Lloyd Bailey. Lloyd is the Armed Lutheran, host of Armed Lutheran Radio, a weekly podcast about faith, firearms, and freedom. He's also the author of the newly released book, Duty to Defend. Absolutely. Welcome back to the show, Lloyd. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, this book is so timely, I think, and so needed uh, because there is so much confusion. And I love uh, your subtitle, Defending God's Word from Those Who Misuse It in the Gun Rights Debate. Uh, let's just kind of start there. Why is the duty to defend such a difficult concept for both Christians to understand and people of other faiths, and including those who would proclaim they have no faith? All right. And, and like we said before we started, it's, it's kind of the million-dollar question, which is what drove the, the, the impetus for creating this book. Um, when we first started Armed Lutheran Radio, um, almost six years ago, the idea or one of the things we started doing was was fisking articles and, and speeches and podcasts and videos from people who claim to be Christians who were supporting gun control and trying to debunk their arguments, um, mainly using solid theological interpretation instead of, and instead of solely throwing, we, we did a lot of the factual stuff, but we wanted to also make sure that people understood that, look, this particular verse or this particular chapter is being misused. And um, I got to give a little bit of credit to, uh, to Sean Sorrentino, our friend from uh, formerly of the Gun Blog Variety Cast, who said, you know, you should put this stuff into a book um, and just to give people a guidebook to help understand the arguments. And I, I thought, yeah, that's, that's a great idea. And five years went by and it didn't happen. And then um, sometime, I guess it was, no, it was almost two years ago that I started seriously thinking about doing this because I think this is a tough question. And it was part of the reason that I started doing the podcast in the first place was when I kind of came back to, to the faith and got really serious about it. And I started reading more and more. And I kind of was thinking, is the gun in my closet a good idea as a Christian? Is it is it right for me to consider uh, in light of things like love your neighbor, that I should be prepared to use that firearm that I have for self-defense? And so I I started putting together a list of, of the verses that we uh, that we had fist on the, on the show and then did tons of research looking for more, um, more verses that, that were commonly and even sometimes uncommonly used in the debate. And I started reaching out to some, some pastors because I felt like that's a little beyond my <laughs> little, a little above my pay grade to do the interpretation. So I reached out to some really great people and and threw this idea at them and gave them let them pick the the verses that they wanted to dissect, and what I wanted to do was to create 
almost a guidebook for people to sit down and, and look at the most commonly used, or I should say, like, like the subtitle says, misused verses in the Bible that we commonly see used over and over and over again to argue. And here's the interesting point. And you notice I said in the gun rights debate, this are, the, the book will also take on those who misuse the Bible to push gun rights. There, the Bible is in many ways sort of um, silent on the idea of whether or not you can own a weapon. I mean, it's the gun rights thing doesn't actually, um, the gun rights argument is, a little, it's not as straightforward. Um, so there are some who take things like um, uh, Luke twenty two thirty six. 36, they go out, you know, sell your cloak and buy a sword and say, that means you have to go out and buy a sword. You have to go out and buy a gun. And because the, the disciples said, look, look, Lord, we have two guns or two swords. Uh, and, and Jesus said, that is enough. Well, that means you have to go out and get two. And we actually had an article that we dissected where the, where the guy was arguing exactly that, that you should, if you're a good Christian, you've got to own a gun hmm. and that's wrong. And so there's, so we've taken, tried to be fair about the, the, the verses that are used mostly on the anti-gun side, partly on the pro-gun side to misuse God's word, to push a political agenda. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the problem. Um, we, we commonly see uh, Christians who mix their politics with God's word too often. And they use God's word as a rationale for whatever it is they personally think, right? Mm -hmm. They, they proof text their own political preferences um, instead of actually looking at the context of what those verses, you know, the, where those verses fit in context. And that's what we've tried to do with the book. And um, I think it's a difficult concept because of that, because uh, too often in this country, um, people have made government and politics their religion mm. and replaced um, replaced God's word with their own personal opinions. Mm. And we did a, we did a video. Um, we did an, uh, a show um, earlier this year, I think it was about why churches support gun control. And I, I released a video, a really short video about that earlier last week. And it, it boils down to, people not really understanding very well what God's word says. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's the truth. You know, uh, I think there's so much of that, not only, you know, people who ascribe to whatever faith, so let's pick on Christians right now, because, you know, we both ascribe to, to Christians. I can't speak for all the other ones. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and yet we don't read our own playbook. Yep. We don't read the Bible for ourselves. And then I'll pick on uh, everyone who would say that they are a United States citizen. We don't read our constitution for ourselves. We allow other people to interpret for us and then run off down the road with that interpretation yep. rather than owning it for ourselves. And, <clears throat> and so I, I really appreciate that your book, I mean, every single chapter starts with a scripture and mm -hmm. so you're like grounding it right there and then expounding from there yep. and i think that's so important lloyd i i haven't you know read the bible as much as i should and i i, I am a christian and i i wish i knew more but i don't i can't understand where anyone who is a christian would think that it's in violation of of god's law to to defend yourself or your family yeah, that, I, mean, I could not sit there and watch my grandbaby be assaulted and think that I shouldn't do something about it. Yep. Yep. There, there's a, <clears throat> I think the two biggest misconceptions that, that we see are a, they come out of the, the Sermon on the Mount mainly, um, the love your neighbor or love your enemy, uh, turn the other cheek and blessed are the peacemakers, right? Everything, I think the majority of the arguments that we run into come, come into, come from that. And they, they have this idea that, well, how can I love my enemy if I'm willing to shoot him to death? 
Mm. How can I love my enemy if I have a gun where I could potentially kill someone with it? And we've even seen pastors like John Piper who make this argument and struggle with that, that very question, who, when asked directly, if you had access to a gun and your wife was about to be raped, would you use that gun to defend her? And he struggled to answer that question. Mm. And I have no idea how, as a, as a Christian man, as a Christian, as a husband, how you can reject that vocation of protector, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You've been given this gift from God. This life has been, this, your wife is, a, is a, a gift and a blessing from God. How can you stand there and not use this particular tool to defend her, I just don't understand it. And I agree. I agree. I don't understand that. The other, the other, the other place that we see the biggest, um, I think most of the misconceptions come from is the, the Methodist, uh, misuse of Micah chapter four, where they talk about, um, beating swords into plowshares and, and, uh, spears into pruning hooks, right? And they use that as a um, as the proof text for their whole anti-violence um, agenda. Mm -hmm. So they they don't read Micah four as prophecy. They look at it as a goal. We've got to get rid of weapons and end war on Earth so that Jesus can return. Mm -hmm. And it's the other way around, mm -hmm. right? We won't need weapons when he comes back. But until mm. he does, we need him because evil's here. I, I have, wow. you know, I can love my neighbor. I can love my enemy. I mm -hmm. have no problem loving my enemy, but I can also stop my enemy from causing harm. Yep. I can use my guns as a tool to get food, things like that. Oh, so, you know, change your, your sword into a plow. I use my firearm to provide food kind of a tool for that but i mean come on i mean i yeah and and the the sin in 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 using a gun for self-defense is in your heart yes are you are you using that gun hoping that i'm going to use one of my former um uh, cast members aaron israel's favorite sayings to make the bad guy stop doing bad things or are you intending on killing him Mm -hmm. If it's in your heart to kill the guy because he broke in your door or he's trying to steal your stuff, there's the sin. Right. It's not the sin of actually using the firearm or any other weapon to defend yourself. Yeah, or you're just your... stopping it. You're just yes. stopping it. That's yep. right. So you can still love him, yeah. but you're, you, you don't love what he's doing right now. Yeah. Right. But you can still love the person Yeah. because he, he's alive, right? Exactly. And you just, you just stop that from happening. No more than you would stop your kids from doing something in your house. Right. That would be dangerous or anything <laughs> else. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I just have a hard concept with that because to me, the, my family is, is it. And I will defend them a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I hope that I understand it right. That that's okay for me to do because I can't see God set sitting there and saying, I'll just let it happen. Just don't worry about it. I got this. I'm, I'm in control. Well, he is in control. Right. But and and also gave us free will. Right. And evil walks among right. us. Maybe so. he's controlling me to stop it. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we, he, he gave us thought and processes, mm -hmm. you know, to think things out. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm. And the, and the people who, who have some sort of a personal, I'm not, I've never argued that guns are for everyone, but the people who, who suggest that they have a problem with using a gun for self defense don't have a problem calling the police and asking them to come and use their guns. Right. Excellent point. That's very, very excellent great. point. They, they abdicate it, you know, they delegate mm -hmm. that. So you kill my enemy. Yeah. Yeah. No, you kill. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's... That's, that's good. Uh, Lloyd, you have same, some powerhouse voices in this book and I don't know if I'm, you know, going to ask you to, to I was afraid you were going to do this, right? Pick, <laughs> pick your favorite child kind of thing. But yeah. um, was there one in particular that you felt would lend extra credibility to the work or, or, or credence to what you were trying to accomplish? Um, 
And before I answer that, let me let me clarify one thing. I didn't I didn't write the book. I'm the editor. So everything everything that's in here is the word are the words of uh, over a dozen uh, Lutheran pastors from across the country, mm-hmm. um, and they're fantastic people. Every single one of them. I don't know that I could single any one of them out as being a powerhouse because I I didn't really want to get celebrity pastors mm-hmm. to do the to do the 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 um, the interpretation to write the articles for me. Um, I wanted to get a nice cross section from all across the country. So I've got pastors from Illinois. I've got pastors from Pennsylvania. I've got pastors from, from here in Texas. I've got pastors from California, Minnesota places, some of them in places where gun control is very prevalent and it's just sort of an accepted norm. Mm. Uh, I wanted people who I, who know the know the word, and are able to interpret it um, correctly, and I didn't want to I didn't want to mix in a whole lot of not to say that these guys aren't great people and I'm not but I didn't want superstar kind of celebrities sure. doing it. Yeah. The closest you could get, and I wasn't able to actually get him to write an article because he's so busy and he was recovering from COVID in the middle of all of this was mm-hmm. Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Mm. Um, pastor Wolf Mueller is the, is the pastor at, um, uh, crud, I can't think of the name of the church in, um, in Austin, Texas. He's, uh, and he has his own, he is the, the co-host of table talk radio. And he is also, he's on KFUO and, um, a, a number of, uh, of shows on, on, uh, Lutheran public radio. And he has his own channel, uh, Brian Wolfmuller. Uh, he is as close as I got. I had him on the on the podcast early on. Probably, I think the f- episode seventeen was the first time he came on the show, first year. And um, I he we talked about the three estates with re- with uh, regard to um, to self defense. And I I reached out to him to, to do a chapter and he was interested. And then he was like, I just don't know that I have time. So what I did was I took my interview with him about the three estates and cleaned it up and focused it so that, uh, and created a chapter using that. So I'm, that one was, that was fun to do. Um, all of these guys are terrific. I, I don't know that I could single out any one of them. For sure. Well, I see at the back of your book, you do have uh, a meet the contributors mm-hmm. and you have pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Saint Paul. Church <laughs> and Jesus Lutheran Church of the Deaf in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas yep. uh, for Reverend Brian Wolfmuller. And so um, I want to ask you about the three estates for people that, that that's not a familiar term, but um, for those of us in the uh, firearms and Second Amendment advocacy world, we're going to notice right away the foreword was written by Reverend Ken Blanchard, yep. uh, of course, yep. who is a black man with a gun. Yep. I sent it to author. Ken to get his feedback on it and was really blessed to have him uh, send me back a response. Absolutely. He was our first, he was our first interview. Mm-hmm. He was on our show. Yep. Very first person to Number say one. yes to, they'd have no idea what they were getting into, just like you did. <laughs> but um but I like how he, he finalizes his, he says, um, there are reminders to do as Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what leads to peace and mutual edification. And there's a lot of people that feel like, how does carrying a gun lead to peace? But yet the old cliche is so true that a, a armed society, polite society. <laughs> yeah, does tend to be more polite because, yep. you know, we all we don't know who's what are the, uh, carrying what, a firearm. What are the three estates? I'm not familiar yeah, with Yeah, and the three estates. Let's get back to that. The three estates was a, a medieval concept. Um, the separation of society into classes. You had those who ruled. You had those who, uh, what was it, the church. And then you had the family, essentially. And one of the, the, there was this confusion that you couldn't, that if you were in one, you couldn't be a part of the other. Um, if you were, if you were a member of the clergy, you had to reject the world and go into monasteries and you had to separate yourself and couldn't be a part of, uh, you couldn't govern or you couldn't, you couldn't have a family. Um, so that's where the, the whole, the, the Roman Catholic idea of, um, you know, 
priests not being able to marry and that sort of thing comes from. It's a fundamental misunderstanding, I think, of the way society is is altered or is is organized. And Martin Luther um, recognized that those three things overlap. You are a member of a family, or most pretty much all of us are. We're 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 members of a family, but we can also be uh, a part of the church, either as um, working in the church somehow or just being a church member but you're also a citizen. So you're a part of the government as well somehow. And so there's a, there are all these crossovers between the three estates and ultimately government gets its, and this comes out in the, in the article with uh, the, the interview from pastor Wolf Mueller, this um, the idea that the authority of violence that we give that that the government has ultimately comes from the family. The family is the, is the, the most important unit of that, of those three estates, right? The, the family is, is to care for the, the children, to raise their children, to protect the, the property and the chastity of their, their family members. That's their, that's their role. But once your community gets to a certain size, your country gets to a certain size, there's certain things that those, that your family simply can't do. And so we turn those responsibilities over to government. And so the responsibility for building roads or, um, or building schools or, or operating schools or having a military or a police force, those things, ultimately, the, those authorities, that authority is gifted to the state by the family. Absolutely. That was the concept that, that uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller uh, was talking about. And, and I think it's, it's an important distinction because we talk a lot about um, the government haven't, you know, those who, and we mentioned it earlier, um, those who, who think that we don't have a right to self-defense and would rather give, you know, leave that to police and to the government to handle, fail to recognize that we have that, uh, that authority rests with us initially. That's our primary, um, our primary authority is defending the family that we have, the, and the, the family that God has given us. That's our primary role. That's our primary vocation, to use a very Lutheran term. Um, but we we gift that or grant that authority to government to do on our behalf. And you know that really kind of comes full circle to you know what Dan was saying and and what uh, Reverend Ken Blanchard wrote is that if you have that, uh, whether it's the individual whether they've you know delegated that to police force or a military force whatever that is that or else right there's the line there's the people that are going to stand behind or else that ultimately does have a a quelling uh impact on those who would try to you know use their power over other people mm. um would try to enact evil on them and so i i it is so confusing to me how how people feel like there's a uh a, a, a tension between that i i think it makes perfect sense yeah and 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 just because we have granted the authority of violence to the government doesn't mean that we've given it up ourselves right right we, we still have like you said we're sort of the last line of defense mm -hmm. so we know that when the guy comes to kick in your door, the police aren't going to be waiting in your living room. Right. No, we're, the first, we're the first responders. We are, you are your own first responder. Right. And, and so the, the idea that we completely surrender that authority to government is, is not something that we need to countenance as Christians. Boy, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more. So this next question, it, it's a little deep. It's a little, you know, uh, I, I was telling you off air, I, I had trouble like really landing the plane on it because it's a big question right. and it might have a big answer or it might be one of those, you know, very simple answers, but it, you'll have time to think about it as I read the question. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, let me get a, a glass of water because we've got time. A little um, trepidation here. I'm going to get yeah, a, little <laughs> a little nervous. <laughs> So in our current world, I don't think it's any shock to anybody that there, you know, division is everywhere you look mm -hmm. and Christ himself 
said all those 2000 years ago that the chaff and the wheat would be separated. And he knew that he was part of that sifting and sorting. He actually said in the gospels that family member would turn on family member. So how do we as Christians interpret and square this duty to defend with a duty to become separate from those who are, who are of and in the world? Uh, wow. You didn't give That's me long enough. I didn't have enough time to think. <laughs> I'll read some more. No. <laughs> read some more. No, um, that's a tough one. Uh, the, the, the problem with the idea of separating ourselves completely from the world is that you have no opportunity to convert anyone to your way, to, to, to bring anyone to Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and the same is true with, uh, with gun rights advocacy, if you think about it. If, mm -hmm. if we just, if we closet ourselves away in our own little groups, and we don't interact with the world. And one of the one of the things you, you remember last year before the election, there was all this hubbub about social media and everybody was looking for alternatives and they were going to get off of Twitter and they were going to get away from Facebook and all of this stuff. The problem with getting away, if, if we as a Second Amendment community were to do that kind of thing, if we as Christians were to do that kind of thing, then there's no opportunity to reach the lost. Mm, um, because your voice... And one of the one of the articles, the very first one, the introduction by my co-host, Pastor John Bennett, talks about a biblical uh, gun rights advocacy. If we don't engage with the world, then the world only hears the voices of our enemies. Mm -hmm. The world only hears the news media and leftist politicians and and actors and all of that stuff. The people who don't know what they're talking about and who want to take our rights away. So we have to stay engaged with the world. If we don't, we lose the opportunity to change hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And we, we need to be out there. We don't want to be abrasive and ugly. We want to make sure, and this is one of the points that Pastor Bennett makes and that we've talked about on our show quite a bit, is we, we want to make sure that because your voice on social media or wherever may be the first voice pro gun voice that somebody hears, mm -hmm. right? They they may be surrounded by, by uh, anti-gun family members and friends. Maybe they're going to college and everything around them is anti-gun. Of course, this, the, the, the media world is completely against us. If, if we, if we separate ourselves and we're not there to put our voice out there, mm -hmm. then they won't hear our side. And when it comes time to support or push for a policy that takes away our rights, they won't think twice. Mm. So if we're the, if, if we're still engaged with the world, we have a chance to change people's minds about things because they may hear a, they may hear an argument they've never heard before. They may hear you talk about guns in a way that they never thought, Oh, that makes, you know, that makes sense. Wow. Maybe what I thought, was thinking is wrong, right? Or, or maybe I need to do more research. Maybe I need to look into this more deeply. That's really what we're hoping for is that if they hear our voices, um, they can do a little more research for themselves instead of leaving the thinking to the media. And, and hopefully that voice, whether it's social media or podcasts or, or YouTube or wherever, um, maybe it makes people think twice. And if we, if we separate ourselves away and say, okay, we're not going to engage with the world, then we lose that opportunity. Well, Lloyd, you know, I've been around the block a few times and, uh, you know, back when I was a, a little kid, many, many moons ago, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't talk about these issues. We didn't talk about our second amendment strongly, but the other side was slowly chipping away. And I think that we're in the position we're in now, mm -hmm. uh, let's say last year, is because we didn't speak up and defend our rights and talk so much about the second amendment but we do have something that i think really is going to save us when the industry stopped ignoring women mm. when they started inviting women into it women are social butterflies <laughs> they get out there and they Guilty. they they get out there and do stuff right mm. 
yep. which guys don't. Guys can kind of tend to be private, small group. That's it. Where women get out there. So I, I think we're seeing a really big movement because of social media, because of women, and and knowing that if we don't fight for what we have, we're going to lose it all. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, think the ex- blessing. Yeah, exactly right. The the stereotype that we still see pushed by the left is that gun owners are a bunch of inbred white hicks, right? (laughs) And as I point to Dan. (laughs) So when they see people like Cheryl and they see people like my, my co-host Mia Anstein advocating for, for second amendment rights, self-defense for women, hunting, all of those competitive uh, shooting sports, you name it. And it's not, they, they, the more they see it, the less uh, easy it is for the, the more difficult it is for them to suggest that, oh, well, Cheryl's just a token woman that, that you know, we, we put her out there because she looks good and we put her out there and, 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 but we're not serious about women and, and firearms and gun rights. But the more they see of, of women and minorities and they realize, well, wait a minute, gun rights are for everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, I went to the shop. Have you ever been to shot show? It's pretty big, you know, and there's a lot of distributors out there and dealers. And I was out there, you know, I'm old school. So I was out there and there was a, a Barrett display and I wanted to start selling Barrett rifles. And the only person that was there that could talk was a woman. Everybody else was busy. So I'm not going to talk to that lady. I mean, she's not going to know anything about it. She's just a model that they put out to glorify Barrett, right? The gun bunnies. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And and so so I, I finally I said, well, I need to talk to somebody. So I'll see if she can introduce me to somebody. <laughs> well, she was Mrs. Barrett. Yeah, actually the daughter. Okay. The, the daughter. daughter. And, there you go. and absolutely knew and her she, stuff. She she <laughs> blew me out of the water. She signed me up and did the whole thing right there. And it's because of our old thinking. And um I think that we're we're seeing the changes and I think it's going to be good for us. Absolutely. That was embarrassing to me. I mean, it's just like, and you know, when, when I had my first gun shop, if a woman came in the store, then they were picking up a gun for their husband for ammunition. It wasn't that they wanted a gun. That's what oh you my thought. God. Right. But it's like, cause that was the old school thought process. And yeah, I, I, I please forgive me everybody because it's, if we would have done this, if we'd have got, if the women would have got involved in it 30, 40 years ago, we wouldn't be having these questions today about how to defend yeah. our rights because yeah. the rights would be there. And it's not placing somebody like Cheryl. Cheryl can go blow circles around a lot of people. Uh, and so, no, it's, it's real. Yep. Well, I, that's a very, um, that's important to remember. Right. Yeah. And then going back to what you were saying, Lloyd, about, you know, how we, um, we, we have to have examples of, you know, true real life people, you know, not mm-hmm. just tokens that we set forward who are just living their life out loud. Mm-hmm. And if, if more Christians were people of any faith were to live this part of their life out loud yep. more, I think it would ultimately not only save more lives, my own personal opinion, but it would also help save our Republic. Um, as I hold up my constitution and my bill of rights yep. and where do you see, um, all of this going, there have been more discussions publicly about, well, we need more security in our churches and how does that square? If you have a lot of churches out there, maybe it's not a lot, but we have some churches out there that are uncomfortable with this duty to defend. Mm-hmm. And yet we're saying, well, look you might need to uh, ask someone either in your congregation or a hired, you know, what, what did we call it? We, uh, the authority of violence is delegated to someone else yep. uh, to come into your space to help save lives, not to hurt anyone. That's not why they're there. They're there to save lives. Right. Should evil come in the door? How, do, how is that conversation going in your opinion? I think it's going pretty well. Um, more and more often I'm talking to people who are, who say, well, my, my churches, like we posted that video of why do churches, uh, support gun, 
uh, control uh, last week. And I had a bunch of people like, my church doesn't support gun control. My church, um, I carry in church every day. My pastor carries in church. I think it's going fairly well. And I, the, the, the problems that we see and the misconceptions that we typically see are in our mainline congregations, um, the more progressive-leaning congregations. Um, but more traditional congregations don't have this confusion. Um, it's not something they've had to think about before. And I think the shootings like Sutherland Springs mm-hmm. um, have forced people to think about these uncomfortable topics. Because, I mean, we were always just used to going to church and not thinking about what's outside the door, mm-hmm. right? And and now those acts have started to... I think, change people's minds or at least open their minds a little bit to the idea that maybe we need to do something differently here. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, there's not going to be somebody to come and save us if the bad person walks in. But if, if a pastor thinks that you don't have a right to defend yourselves or your, or your property or whatever, and so they have a church mm-hmm. and they hire security guards with armed guns to protect the flock mm-hmm. would they if if they use them would he not just be as guilty because mm-hmm. he's the one that hired them hired them to so the the argument wouldn't last very long when you think about that you either give it all uh, don't care or whatever not i wouldn't say the word don't care but you all let it go or you defend your flock mm-hmm. it's it's not a question of so how, how would a person be able to argue that even? There's, I think a lot of that stems from the, the from Romans 13, the, the idea that, that we render unto Caesar and that, that the government we're supposed to, to uh, submit to the governing authorities. And so we, for some reason, we, we seem to, or not we, but, but mm-hmm. some churches seem to think that that means that we're supposed to turn over those responsibilities, like we were talking about earlier, turn over the, 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 the responsibility, the, the, the authority of violence to the government, and that's their dominion, and it's not ours. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've, we've kind of lost the idea of, in many cases, the, the concept of vocation that I mentioned earlier, that, that um, as a, um, that you have responsibilities as a citizen, you have a responsibility as a, as a father, as a husband, as a member of your church. Um, and when we, when you hear people talk about, well, that's not something that Christians should do. Well, I'm not talking about doing this in a Christian, as a Christian, but as a, as, the, as a citizen, as a father, as a, as a husband, I have a responsibility to defend my loved ones, to defend the people around me, to defend the people in my church. And I think we we lose that that understanding of whose responsibility it is to to protect. Absolutely. I mean, we are called to be good stewards of all that God has placed mm-hmm. under our our care and our responsibility. I, I would think a pastor so. would be responsible for his flock. He's responsible yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. And how could I? I just I just it's hard to believe that. Yeah. So now I want to ask about you personally. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I know. Where did it all begin? Right. Well, my degrees are. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where I get out my Freud pipe and my little round glasses. And no, honestly, uh, wh- how did you grow up? Did you, uh, how were guns viewed in the household you grew up in? Were you raised around them? I was, uh, sort of. Um, it was not a, I was the, the product of a broken marriage. So, um, as an preteen, my parents split up. I grew up with my mom out in the country in Western North Carolina. I grew up a Methodist. Um, and mom was not opposed to guns. Guns were just something that was, I mean, Saturdays, you'd hear people out in the woods hunting and it was just, it was just a thing. It was what everybody, it was expected. It was understood. Mm-hmm. So at, at some point, I think it was a, maybe a 10 or 11, my, my mom got rifles for, as a Christmas gift for me and my brother. Um, 
Marlin model 60, 22 caliber rifles. Yep. I still have it in the safe Aww. and, um, taught both of my, both of my kids to shoot with it. And, uh, then my uncle, uh, God rest him was the person who stepped in and taught me, uh, gun safety and, you know, the four rules and, and, uh, the, the whole don't point it at anything you're not willing to, to kill or destroy, you know, those words really stuck mm -hmm. out and I was like, Ooh, kill or destroy. Uh, so that, that stuck in my mind and, and, um, I took that really seriously, but I never, I didn't, you know, we didn't have any hunters in our family. Um, we had guns around for plinking and that sort of thing. Um, it wasn't until much later before I became a gun guy, I guess you could say. I mean, I, as I grew up, I put the gun in the closet and kind of forgot about it. Went to college, came back and got married and, um, then had, uh, in the middle of the night, had a guy show up on my porch looking for my wife, who was a, uh, health, um, a mental health counselor at the time. And I had an unloaded 22 in my closet and a claw hammer. And at that Boy. point I was like, Hmm, maybe I need to do something differently here, yeah. but that still didn't motivate me enough to go out and do it. And it was three or four years later when we had a child and and some uh, similar incident happened. Mm. That's when I said, I have a duty to defend this family that God has given me. I'm going to go out and buy a gun. And I did the very next day. Mm. And, um, well, I can't say I did it the very next day because North Carolina still has that stupid pistol purchase <laughs> permit law where you have to go ask the government for permission mm. to exercise your rights. And then you go mm -hmm. to the, then you wait five days, you get the permit, and then you go to the store and buy the gun. Well, thank so. goodness uh, evil didn't uh, revisit you during that waiting period. That is you know, a mean you know, swing with the claw hammer, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but that's what we see. Many people that we've interviewed were not gun people. They become victims and yep. they become, uh, you know, speak. they talk about it. They're pro pro gun. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm glad you didn't have to go through that. that yeah. That you had some background. So. Wow. Well, that is in North Carolina. My parents lived there for quite a while. And when they, they first moved there, they thought, you know, well, it's, you know, akin to Arizona. We have like really good gun rights here in Arizona because we have people fighting for them all the time. Then yeah. they get up there and they live near a college town and they're like, ah, yeah, maybe not so much. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> well, North Carolina has way too many what we used to call halfbacks. They would go from, from the Northeast to get away from the cold winters as they got older. Mm -hmm. They would go to Florida and say, oh my God, it's hot down here. <laughs> and they would get halfway back and stop and stay in North Carolina yeah. and bring nice. their politics with them. Yeah, nice. That's, the, that's the funny. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that is what is happening. I mean, here in Arizona right now, we have this huge influx of people from California and Oregon and Washington state. And yeah. maybe they'll live through our first summer and they'll go, oh, heck no. Right. right. And then maybe they'll go halfway back somewhere, maybe, maybe Nevada. land in Nevada or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we're asking, we're actually asking God to make our summers longer. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? they will bring the very ideas that they're running away from. Mm -hmm. And then they'll keep voting the same craziness in, like they don't get how they connect. And, yeah. uh, I'm a little bit concerned about that, but um, I'd rather be hot and free. Yeah. <laughs> Bring on summer. That's right. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. And and as we sit here today is uh, May 31st, Monday, May 31st, 2021. And the, the temperature is, you could sit here and watch the, uh, the mercury rise. I'm telling you, it is, it's about to get crazy. Yeah. hundred degrees yesterday. But, oh, wow. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, dry so summer is not for sissies here in Arizona, <laughs> no. but, um, but anyway, I, and as I mentioned, you know, your show will post later than, than today, uh, we pre-record, but we are sitting in the studio on Memorial day. And I think that that's something that we should, you know, acknowledge that, you know, it's okay to celebrate Memorial Day. I know there's, there's quite a bit of disc, uh, you know, some consternation about the mm -hmm. way that the president and vice president have been a little tone deaf with their, you know, Hey, 
you know, yeah. go and enjoy your long things. weekend. Yeah. Enjoy your long weekend with a picture of themselves instead of, mm-hmm. well, you can enjoy your long weekend as long as you're celebrating the sacrifices that others have we made can enjoy on your behalf, this, right? We can enjoy it because of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're doing it, recognizing that you're, I mean, that's what those people who, who, who died serving this country want for us. So go out and enjoy your weekend, but do it remembering why you're able to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we are going to wrap up and ask you to please tell folks how they can continue to follow your work. And of course, buy your book duty to defend. Absolutely. Um, you can find the, the website at uh, armedlutheran.us. That's where all the, uh, the articles, uh, all the podcasts are posted. You can find the podcast pretty much anywhere. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Um, you can find us on, uh, on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel where we post uh, episodes every week and we post, we've been posting some topical stuff like, we're, like the discussion we're having today. Um, you can also, you can get the book at armedlutheran.us slash books. If you'd like to grab a signed copy, there are still some of those available. Otherwise, uh, you can find Duty to Defend available on, uh, on Amazon. Fantastic. And this is where I get to brag that I have a signed copy made out to the polka dot princess. I'm going to say that's me, not Dan. (laughs) I thought I was a polka dot princess. Sorry, babe. Lloyd, thank you very much for being on the show, taking the time on Memorial Day to see us and uh, appreciate it. I am always happy to visit with you guys anytime. And I appreciate uh, and I'm honored to be here. So thanks very much. Thanks so much for all you do. We will talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God bless. You know, that's a, a discussion you could have for hours. Mm-hmm. Because well, and this book is like a conversation starter after a conversation <clears throat> starter, because each chapter is a scripture. And some of the scripture even makes you think, oh, well, this is kind of supporting maybe not a duty to defend. And then as the, the pastor, the author of that chapter starts to unpack it and expound on it you go okay it would be very interesting really interesting it'd be interesting to have a to watch an interview with a debate sort of with Mm -hmm. him with lloyd and somebody who believes that you shouldn't defend themselves Mm -hmm. um, or protect their family or flock Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting because that's that's a interesting subject i guess Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah, I don't know. If, if you are thinking that your faith doesn't square, that your faith um, argues with the idea of defending your one and only God-given life, right. that is going to put you in quite a conundrum. Right. Like, I don't know how you move from that place. Right. I mean, we're told our body is our temple. We're supposed to protect it with the foods and things we eat, which I'm not doing a very good example of. <laughs> but... Um, so then why wouldn't we protect our temple mm-hmm. and our family's temple? Absolutely. You know? But, I, you know, the, the unfortunate thing about the Constitution, the Bible, all these things is that people tend to make it fit with their lives. Mm-hmm. They, they adjust things to fit mm-hmm. their way mm-hmm. and their life. I mean, you listen, listen to politicians, they talk about the Constitution and the, how they mold it to fit their comfort. Mm-hmm. It instead of just the facts, like the second minute shall not infringe. What do you need a discussion about that? Mm-hmm. What where is there a discussion? Shall not means don't mm-hmm. be be infringe infringe right shall not be infringed. And simple. so gun rights so, for dummies. But then I call they it. say, well, they didn't know what they were talking about in seventeen. You know. Uh, wait, let me look. It says uh, shall not be infringed. And also it says right here it says. Oh, we do know what we're talking about. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> we fought, bled, starved, and right. died for the right to put right. quilt to parchment. That's how you know we know what we're talking about, right? right. What have you done, right? What have you done for right. the Constitution? So, th- so people just mold it to fit them. Uh, Biden says something like, you know, this this can be amended and all these other things. Oh, and what does he say? No amendment is absolute. Absolute. So I right. guess you know the next time that women go to vote the 19th amendment they could just say it's not really absolute you know what women don't know what they're talking about so we're just not going to allow we're not we're gonna let them vote 
we're yeah. just not going to count the vote. Yeah. You know, right. or things like that. And to think that that could never happen. Okay. Yeah. Somebody's a fool. Yeah, no doubt. Because it could happen. All right. Hey, we got to go. We got to go. But we should thank Lloyd first. Absolutely. Thank you, Lloyd. You're awesome. I appreciate all the work that you do. Uh, thank you to our amazing listeners all over the entire world where there is internet. We have listeners and where we have listeners, the conversations that get started on this show with these subject matter experts are happening. It's amazing. It's wonderful. We appreciate you. Your time is your most valuable commodity. These countries that are allowed to listen to shows like mm -hmm. ours that are allowed to wow. are setting go, look what they get to do. Yeah. And look how hard they would have to fight to get to where we are. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we're going to have to fight to keep what we have even harder. Well, we're going to lose it all, guys. And we've seen it lost in other countries. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, they had a, a shorter distance to fall because they didn't have our, a constitution right. like ours. Yeah. Uh, so if we fall, it is really going to hurt because we got a long way to fall from right. where our founders placed and us. And a hard, hard, hard road to try to get oh, it back. Absolutely. Almost impossible. Um, I, I read something the other day that it seemed like somebody was trying to say that, you know, the idea that once you lose a right, it never comes back is not true. And let's unpack why that is. The therefore seemed like, and I could have been reading my own thoughts into it, but the therefore seemed like, so don't go so crazy when somebody's trying to infringe on your rights. Yeah. And don't I'm like, worry about it. Um, don't worry about it. It's just this week. Yeah. It's just a fad that's going on. It'll yeah. come back. Yeah. No. 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 The people that are saying that are the ones that want you to yeah. do that because yeah. then they just relax. Control. Go back and watch yeah. Netflix. Hey, hey, just, We've got this. Yeah, just wear the mask you know. for, you know, a month. You know. It's a month, you know, yeah. five years, yeah. you know, the so, rest of time. Know, it's all, it's hey, whatever. It's for the, it's for the children. It's for the children. Oh yeah. For the children. All right, kids, hey, we, we got to go. get out of here. We got to pray for our nation. We are. We're going to pray for our nation and our leaders. Leaders. Well, what representatives. About representatives. Right. What about the ones you don't like, Dan? Yeah, I'm going to pray for them. Maybe especially pray oh, for the ones you don't double like. Double pray. Double pray. I love Triple it. Pray. All right. Until next time, be good to each other.